Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by Students For You. My name is Peter Roman, and this is episode 17 of the quarantine edition of my show, and the first one of the fall semester. So I've gone from the summer now into the fall semester with my show. For those who might be listening for the first time, it's a sports show that was briefly a little bit newsy and a little bit, you know, movie TV showy during the quarantine stuff. But now that sports leagues are mostly almost entirely back, it's pretty much all sports. And so today's topics, there's a lot. I'm going to talk about the Canadian Premier League down to the final four, now into their second group stage. I'll explain kind of how their format works. It's a little bit similar to the 1982 World Cup, if anyone is familiar with that one. Today is also the start of the first week of the NFL season because it kicks off on Thursday, and then Sunday we have our first massive slate of games. So I'm going to preview the NFL season as well, and of course I'm going to talk about the NHL playoffs. But today, before I get into my first segment, which is going to be the NBA playoffs, I want to do a quick little rapid fire because these are stories I want to talk about, but I don't really have a ton of time to. So I'm going to give each of these stories about a minute or less, and I'm just going to briefly talk about them because I think they're important, but I definitely want to get into all the other stuff that I mentioned for my main topics. So very quickly, my three rapid fire topics. The first one, Lionel Messi is not leaving Barcelona. He has decided to stay and... When I say decided to stay, I mean he was kind of forced to stay. Basically, Messi didn't want to go through the legal complications that it would have taken to get out of his contract. And so he has decided to just stay at Barcelona. Although in an interview he gave to Goal.com, it was pretty obvious he's not too happy about staying. And he would much rather be really almost seemingly anywhere else as far as a big club is concerned. All around, I think this is a terrible situation because you have a player who clearly doesn't want to be there and you have a team that could have gotten something for Messi. They could have compromised and gotten something. But instead, now they're going to ha- now they're going to be forced to watch him walk away for free next summer. And so I think Barcelona's in a bad spot and Messi is in a bad spot. My next one, Everton has made two huge transfers and I know You know, the Premier League doesn't start here for a little over a week, but I love these two transfers, and I wanted to talk about them quickly. Everton have signed James Rodriguez, and they've signed Allen. So Allen is their midfielder signing from Napoli. I love this guy. I think the way he can control the game and what he can bring to that Everton midfield as far as helping them keep possession, helping them win the ball, and overall just being a... Just being in control, being that quarterback in the midfield, I think he could be fantastic for Everton, especially under Ancelotti. And then James Rodriguez, a little bit of a boomer bust signing, but when he is going, his talent level is undeniable. And so, really good signings. I'm excited to watch Everton this season. And finally, my last rapid-fire topic, the U.S. Open, because tennis is back mostly, although... I could get into that a little bit more about how not all the best players are there. But 
Novak Djokovic, who, of course, went into the tournament as the number one seed, he got kicked out of the U.S. Open because he hit a ball at a line judge. And for anyone who hasn't seen the video, I highly recommend you go and see it. It wasn't, like, anything absolutely malicious. Like, Djokovic didn't, like, smash the ball at the line judge. But it was pretty obvious he was being really stupid. And rightfully, he got kicked out. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a ton of sympathy for Djokovic. This is the guy who was adamantly denying COVID-19 and claiming it was a hoax. And then, of course, he got infected with it, which, you know, is beautiful karma in its own way. But nonetheless, what is interesting about this story is that we will have, in all likelihood, on the men's side anyway, a new U.S. Open champion. And so that is very exciting to see. And maybe it'll be Shapovalov. The Canadian is into the quarterfinals. And so with Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic all not now, because uh, Djokovic is now out, Federer was hurt, and Nadal opted out. So we'll see. The field is wide open on the tennis circuit. Okay, on to the NBA playoffs. We are in round number two now, because the West finally finished their series. Houston did end up winning in seven games. They won just barely. James Harden had a fantastic block of Lou Dort, Canadian, by the way, who was brilliant in this series for the Thunder. And so Houston survived against the Oklahoma City Thunder and are now playing the LA Lakers in the second round. That series is now tied 1-1. And Houston, again, they're always the team that I, I kind of... They're really interesting to watch just because Houston is the team that has decided to go all in on math. And we'll see if math can actually win a championship or not. But should be interesting. Lakers were able to bounce back with a win in game number two. They got some good bench production out of guys like Rondo and Morris. And, of course, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. Without a real center on the floor, it's definitely pretty easy for those two guys to score points. But, of course, the Rockets, they're trying to win by shooting threes and not shooting twos. The other West series that went to seven games was Denver and Utah, and this one was spectacular. It was amazing to watch. I know Denver and Utah might not have the biggest, you know, they might not have the name cliche that, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers have, or that the Golden State Warriors have, or even that, you know, the Boston Celtics have, but this series was fantastic, and it came down to the absolute wire. And I'm not going to lie, that last minute, that last sequence there was just insanity because Donovan Mitchell got the ball in the inbound. His team down by two. Of course, Mitchell's going to get the ball. He's going to try and score for the win. He gets stripped and stolen. Jamal Murray goes down the other way. Murray dishes it off. And the Nuggets blow the layup only for the ball to go all the way down the other end with no time on the clock. Mike Conley throws up a three and it rims out. And so the Nuggets advance. Utah was so, so close to winning that series. It was, an, again, a fantastic series. Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell, by the way, they combined for the most amount of points ever from two players in a series on opposing teams. So just, yeah, fantastic series. Denver is through to the next round. They are playing the LA Clippers. That series is tied 1-1. As the Clippers, 
dominated game one and the Nuggets dominated game two. I think Clippers and Lakers will probably win the second round matchups, but Houston and Denver are more than good enough to pull off an upset if there is one in the second round. To the Eastern Conference, which, you know, their first round series were so quick that they were already on and they're well into the second round now. Boston and Toronto are tied 2-2. The Celtics went up 2-0 in this series before the Raptors bounced back to win two games in a row. Shout out to OG Ananobi for hitting a buzzer-beating game-winning shot in game number three to keep the Raptors series alive. And then Toronto played their best game by far in game number four to end up putting themselves in a good position. To me, I think the Raptors, I think a lot of their success depends on what their big players do. Because Jason Tatum has certainly played, he hasn't gotten a lot of resistance in this series. But I think the Raptors have done a decent job of shutting down the other Celtics. It's just, for Toronto, they need Gasol and Ibaka and Siakam to dominate on the inside. Because they have, at least, you know, matchup-wise, they certainly have advantages in those, you know, four and five slots, the center and the power forward positions. So if those guys, if Siakam can, you know, find his groove, because it's been very inconsistent in this series, if Ibaka can play like he did in game number four, if Gasol can, you know, maybe be a little better as far as the foul situation, I think the Raptors are in a good position to win this series in seven, just like I predicted. And then the other series, this one is the definitely the upset of the round. Milwaukee is down 3-1 to Miami. Miami went up 3 to nothing in this series, which is significant because no team in NBA history has ever come back from 3-0 down. And I don't think Milwaukee's going to be the first, especially with Giannis Antetokounmpo injuring his ankle. This series has a lot of angles to it. The first one I will say is that there's a reason Miami was the dark horse, I think, of the Eastern Conference. Miami could certainly beat anybody on their day, and they are proving that and then some in this series. For Milwaukee, I mean, I think a lot of the blame has to be on the head coach, Mike Budenholzer, because for some reason, the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks insists that his best players can't play 40-plus minutes. And that, to me, is ridiculously, negligently stupid. Because if you look at every other good team in the NBA, when it's a game that they need to win, and it's a game that's close, right? Obviously, in a blowout, you're not going to play your best players, you know, 40 minutes, right? And that makes sense. But in a close game, you want your best players on the floor as much as possible, and I mean, you look at these playoffs, right? How many minutes did Damian Lillard play? Did Luka Doncic play? You know, Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet have played a ton of minutes. Siakam's played a ton of minutes. Kawhi Leonard has played a ton of minutes. Like, the fact that he's not willing to play his best players a ton of minutes, like, I don't get it. I just, I can't bring my brain to understand what could go through his brain the coach of the Bucks in not playing his best players 40 plus minutes because every other best player on every other team seems to be able to do it. Just saying, I don't know. I think coaching is definitely a big problem for Milwaukee in the series, but Miami should advance 
to the conference finals, barring something crazy. And so, credit to the Heat. I think they've done really well. For Milwaukee, though, I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's a free agent. Uh, not this summer, or not this offseason, I should say, but next offseason. And without a legitimate, you know, challenge for an NBA title, it's hard to see why Giannis would stay in Milwaukee when all he's ever talked about is wanting to win championships. Anyway, on to the NHL playoffs. So for the NHL playoffs, that we have three series go to Game 7 in round number two. I'll start with the only Canadian team that was left, which was Vancouver. They lost in seven games to the Vegas Golden Knights. To be honest, this series, Vegas was so far and away the better team. It's just Vancouver had Thatcher Demko, their goalie, their backup goalie, because Markstrom got hurt. But he decided to try and win them the series single-handedly. And I'm not joking about that. Vancouver almost won on the back of their goaltending. But Vegas, in the end, prevailed. And rightfully so. They were easily the better team. The Canucks, I don't think, should be ashamed in any way. right? This was a team that I think overachieved this season and showed a lot of growth. And this is nothing more than a building block for them. And I think it's a really good building block. But obviously... Vancouver still has a ways to go before they're among the elite in the NHL. Having said that, you know, it's another example of how good goaltending could sometimes win you a series, and it almost did in this case. The New York Islanders defeated the Philadelphia Flyers. They almost blew a 3-1 series lead, but ended up winning in game number seven pretty comfortably, I will say, after overtime losses in game five and game six. The Islanders, I think, are a fantastic example of how if you have great management and great coaching, you don't necessarily need these big money players. Like the Islanders, I think it's fair to say, don't have a player on their team that people would consider a top 10 player in the NHL or even a top 20 player in the NHL. But what they do have is excellent management, excellent coaching, and fantastic depth scoring throughout the lineup. And Matt Barzell is a pretty good player, too. But they play tremendous defensively, and they're just going to work so hard every single game, every time they're on the ice. And you know what? Why not? The Islanders are kind of my rooting interest, I think, right now, because I don't really have a rooting interest in any of the teams remaining. But why not? Go Islanders. I'm cheering for them to make the Stanley Cup Finals. Their opponent is the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Lightning won the only series very comfortably over the Boston Bruins. Tampa Bay is trying to overcome their years of choking. And so if you're going to do it, this is the year to do it because they're in a very good position and they got to travel earlier to Edmonton to get more, um, to get acclimated to the new hotel and to the, to the rink and stuff like that. So Islanders Lightning should be a very interesting series because you have one team that's kind of the you know the underdog team and one team that's kind of the you know they have a lot of big names big stars type of team however having said that Steven Stamkos will not be in this series according to Lightning head coach John Cooper which could be a big loss for the Lightning except in game sevens where Steven Stamkos seems to never ever score for them but nonetheless should be exciting Vegas' opponent on the western side, meanwhile, is the Dallas Stars, who defeated my pick to win the Cup, the Colorado Avalanche, in game number seven. 
Colorado, sadly, I think, ran into way too many injuries. Landis Cog, their third best forward, he ended up being out for a while. Eric Johnson ended up missing time. Donskoy missed time. Drew Bauer, the starting goalie, got hurt. And in spite of all of that, Colorado was really close. But Dallas was able to prevail in game number seven, thanks to the most unlikely of heroes, Yoel Kiviranta, who before this series really had he'd only played 10 nhl games in his life he had played most of his career in the finnish league and he came in because of an injury and kiviranta gets a hat trick including the game winner in overtime to send the stars into the western conference finals and getting a little redemption for a year ago colorado's still a really good team they'll be back next year this the window for them is wide open and so they'll be a contender for years to come for sure but for this year it's gonna be vegas and Dallas. Dallas won the game number one of the series with a 1-0 shutout thanks to Anton Kudobin. Honestly, I don't know where to go. So I'm che definitely cheering for the Islanders on the eastern side. Vegas and Dallas is really interesting to me because I think Dallas showed so much in that second round. They could certainly win this series. But I think Vegas probably has a better team. Probably on paper. But... Honestly, I think this one's going to go seven. I think Dallas and Vegas will probably go the distance. It'll go the full seven games. And we'll see. I'm not going to make a prediction because, honestly, I'm not really sure about this series. But should be close. Should be exciting nonetheless. And now on to the NFL season preview. So normally my season previews are a little more in-depth. This year it's going to be a little more surface level because I'm not – so sure the NFL is going to be able to finish their season just because the NFL can't really do a bubble and the United States is still not doing very well with the whole COVID thing and some teams are trying to let fans into the building which is a really bad bad misjudgment of just I don't know I like I get they I, they, I get they want to make money but it's a bad idea to let fans in the stands right now nonetheless for however long the NFL season goes, I will watch because it's still exciting and I'm still going to cheer for my Eagles. And so for my NFL season preview this year, because I think predicting records is kind of a crapshoot in a normal year and in a COVID year when, I mean, who knows, it's even more of a crapshoot. So this year I'm going to put the NFL teams into categories. So I have the favorite category, the contender category, the dark horse category, the stuck in limbo category, and the rebuilding category. So I'll put each of the teams into the category and just give a brief explanation why. So I'll start with the NFC. I have only one team in the favorite category, and that is the San Francisco 49ers. They are the defending NFC champions. I think the Niners still have the best squad in the entire NFC. They're dealing with a lot of injuries right now, which is definitely concerning. But when healthy, that defensive line is the best in football. Nick Bosa is definitely, I think, one of the contenders for Defensive Player of the Year. Again, assuming he's healthy, which he's been dealing with a little bit of an injury throughout training camp. San Francisco, obviously, their big questions aren't really regular season-based. It's more about, can Kyle Shanahan actually win a big game? Because so far, Kyle Shanahan seems to not be able to win big games. And so we'll see about San Francisco, but they're certainly, at least for me, the favorite right now in the NFC. 
All right, my contender category. Now, this is a little bit long, and I've kind of split this one up in the NFC a little bit. So, the contender category, based on merit, I have the Seattle Seahawks, the New Orleans Saints, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Seahawks, Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams. Enough said. The New Orleans Saints have been there, but haven't been able to get over the line over the last few seasons. And it almost feels like maybe their time has come and gone. Although, who knows? With this season presenting more randomness than ever, I still think the Saints are among the contenders. And then I put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in here just because Tom Brady is there now. And, I mean, it's hard to bet against the greatest of all time. So, Tampa Bay is certainly in the contender category. And now the next three teams, I have them in the contender category because of their situation, because of their division mostly. So the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Dallas Cowboys. All three of these teams I don't think are as good as the three teams I just mentioned. But having said that, these three teams I think have much easier divisions. And more importantly, I think their, their path to the playoffs is a lot easier than the other teams. And if things go right for them they could certainly make a ton of noise and so that's why i'm putting the cowboys packers and vikings kind of in the soft contender category of the nfc my dark horses i have the arizona cardinals and the chicago bears both these teams if things go well for them they could be spectacular if they don't they could be terrible and that's kind of why i have them there my team's in limbo i have the atlanta falcons the detroit lions the la rams and my philadelphia eagles Normally, I'd put my Eagles in that contender category, but this year we have lost Brandon Brooks to a torn Achilles. We have lost Andre Dillard to a biceps injury that's keeping him out the season. Jalen Rager is hurt. Carson Wentz is hurt and coming into the season injured. Lane Johnson's coming into the season injured, and I could keep going. There's a lot of injuries. And in a season that, you know, you never know when COVID might strike on a team, like, Philadelphia, to me, when healthy is good, but as currently constructed, as currently healthy, they're not very good because they're just way too injured. So that's why I have them there. The LA Rams, I just don't think are that good. I think they're too top heavy, not enough depth. The Lions, I don't think are that good, and they're probably a year away from firing their coach. And the Atlanta Falcons, I think, are in a similar position to the Lions. And finally, my rebuilding, I have the Washington football team. I'll have to get used to saying that, uh, the New York Giants and the Carolina Panthers. So Carolina, I actually like where they're going. I just feel like the reason I have Carolina in my rebuilding category is because I think they're about a year away. And I have the Giants and Washington in here because I feel like they're just not close right now. So a little bit of a different categorization for the those three teams. In the AFC, my favorites, I have the Baltimore Ravens and Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs, they're the defending champions. Ravens had the best record in the league last year. I expect them to be maybe not quite 14-2 and two good, but still very, very good and among the top in the AFC. In the contenders category, I only have two teams. I have the Bills and the Titans. So Buffalo and Tennessee are my contender picks. Tennessee obviously made the AFC Championship game a year ago. I still think they have potential to maybe make a run all the way, but I still have questions about their quarterback situation. Buffalo, if Josh Allen gets it right, they certainly got a shot. 
in the dark horse category, I have Denver and Houston. I think the Texans are only here because of their quarterback. And, sorry, uh, Denver is here because I like their team. And if there's somebody who could upset the, you know, the big two, the Ravens and the Chiefs, it might be Denver just based on their team. And if fans really aren't going to be allowed in stadiums for a lot of teams, Denver will still have a little bit of home field advantage with the altitude at mile high. My limbo category, Colts, Patriots, Raiders, Steelers, Browns, for different reasons. Patriots, I think, are a playoff team, but not good enough to win a championship this year with the amount of opt-outs and everything else. The Raiders are just, I don't know. I don't know what the Raiders are. They're kind of a weird team. Like, they, they're just not building a very good team. They're building a very mediocre team. The Steelers, I think, are a very mediocre team with a quarterback coming off a big elbow injury. And the Browns are a hit-or-miss team, and so we'll see. And the Colts, I think, made a wrong choice at quarterback. I'm not a big Phillip Rivers believer at this point in his career. And finally, my rebuilding category, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, the Bengals, the Jets, and the Chargers. The Chargers are here because I think they're about a year away, because obviously they need Justin Herbert, I think, to develop. The Jets are here because they're just not that good. The Bengals are here because they're just not that good. The Jaguars are here because I think they're tanking. And the Dolphins are here because I think they're about a year away. So that's why I have those teams where I do. And finally, the Canadian Premier League. So we have the final four. Cavalry, Halifax, Forge, and Pacific are all through into the final four. Cavalry beat York 9 on the final day, one to nothing, thanks to a goal by Marcus Haber. Although... My thoughts go out to Oliver Minatel, who suffered a really nasty injury, and I hope he's okay. Halifax, meanwhile, beat Ottawa on the final day to secure their place. Forge, a draw was good enough with Valor to get them in, and Pacific defeated Edmonton thanks to a last-minute goal from Marco Bustos, which was a fantastic goal. And so we could potentially see a rematch in the final, Cavalry and Forge, but should be very exciting little final four. That gets going on Wednesday, and then Saturday, and then Wednesday again. If you want to know where to watch these games, some of the weekend games are on CBC, but otherwise, get one soccer and really watch these games. It's fun. The Canadian Premier League, I think they've done a really good job with these island games in PEI, so definitely watch those. But that's it. That's all I got for today. I want to thank everybody for listening in to my show, and once again, to everybody, be happy. Be healthy and stay safe.